Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Now please join me in warmly welcoming our lead pastor, Joe Source, to the platform. Amen, amen. Thank you. It's good to be here on a Wednesday night. I love Wednesday nights because it's a hungry crowd that comes. And when you have, for, for, for a minister, for a pastor, for a teacher, for a preacher, a hungry crowd means the Holy Spirit's going to give me extra stuff to give you. And I enjoy that. Now, what we are going to do before I get into this message, and tonight is the beginning of a series that's probably going to last probably three or four weeks. Um, I want to acknowledge the events that we memorialize on this day. I would like us to take some time uh, to pray together for our nation, pray for the families that um, have, have left, you know, they were left behind by their loved ones. Some of them, let's face it, this is a very um, emotional day for many families, especially in our region, especially locally here within uh, central New Jersey. Um, so I want to read you some scriptures, and we're going to pray along those lines. Obviously, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to join me in your heart. Um, if we could possibly, if everyone, I see that the ushers are almost done receiving the offering. If we could all stand up, please, just as, a, as an act of respect and honor. First Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul's giving instruction to Timothy, who's a young pastor, on how he's to conduct himself as the pastor of the church that he was responsible for. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says that we are to pray, to intercede, to give thanks for kings and for all people in authority. This is God's command to every believer today. Praying for godly leaders is productive towards God's plan and purpose for our nation. The Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and the, and the Lord can turn that heart any which way he wants. And so it's important for us to pray. Um, we can confess what we believe as it pertains to our nation, and we can use it as a prayer, and we pray and we confess by faith that the hand of the Lord is upon this nation, that in the name of Jesus, the enemy's plans will never succeed, and that we join our hearts together here tonight, praying for our leaders. You know, it's extremely important that no, none of us as Americans, residents of this country, ever forget what took place. But what's even more important is that our leaders never forget. Amen. Did, you, did you grasp what I just said? Yes. It's important for us to remember, but it's even more important for our leaders to remember. And unfortunately, it seems like some in leadership have forgotten what's taken place and could possibly be setting us up for another such event in the future. And we pray in the name of Jesus that that doesn't come to pass. So, Father, we bring the needs of our government before you. We ask you to bless our nation through godly leaders. We magnify the name of the Lord Jesus and declare that he is Lord over this nation. Father, we do pray according to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 where you said you exhort us, therefore, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Father, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus for our president, vice president, for the cabinet, the chief justice, associate justice of the Supreme Court, to receive wisdom from God, to act in obedience to that wisdom for the power of God to be able to flow in their lives, which will manifest in blessing over this nation. We pray for the members of the Senate, for the House of Representatives, that they would find your peace and direction, that for these men and women to act and to lead according to your word. Father, we recognize that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Therefore, we pray for them to be unified in righteousness for the sake of this nation, that they would forsake any, any, possibility 
of the wrong agendas, of selfishness, of self-profit, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would expose all that corruption and expose and remove those that refuse to repent. Father, we pray for your protection to cover all of our law enforcement officers and the men and women of the military. And we ask for godly counsel and wisdom for judges across this land. In the name of Jesus, Father, we pray that you and your kingdom of righteousness be manifested in the hearts of those who are in authority in any way in Jesus' name. Father, we pray, God, for extension and extension of your comfort and extension of, of your strength. Father, over the families that were directly impacted by this tragedy. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that never again should a family have to suffer what these families have suffered these past 18 years. Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit, Father, that abides in us, we who are believers, that even in times of prayer, Father, that you would give us inside information, that you would let us know ahead of time when there's any type of threat of anything happening similar to that which took place 18 years ago this day. Thank you, Father. We bless you. We honor you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers our nation from coast to coast, from border to border, and everywhere in between, Father. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for comfort. Thank you for strength. Thank you, Father, for bringing unity to this nation under your word and under the banner of the cross, Father. We bless you tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can go ahead and be seated. The Bible, the Word of God, is full of records of people's lives of times and seasons of suffering. Just like life today, we are going to endure times of, of loss, times of disappointment, times of setback. Life on earth is a journey with a beginning and with an end. And in between those two dates is a timeline full of adventures. And just like the book of Exodus, which we're going to begin to study this night, and we're going to study the book of Exodus as it pertains to our lives, over these next few weeks, every Wednesday night. So I'm, I'm, I'm really trusting that you're going to get a hold of this tonight and you're going to make plans to be here uh, for the next few Wednesday nights. And it would be, you're going to see when we get into the meat of this thing that it's going to be worthwhile for you to call some friends up, family members, and say, listen, you, you need to get there on Wednesday night. It's only an hour, okay? And it's in-depth Bible study, Amen. So just like the book of Exodus is filled with challenges, filled with opportunities to trust God, filled with life lessons, we see that our life, our journey here on this planet is very much that way. We're, we're on our way to our promised land. We're walking through our promised land. We are enjoying the benefits of promised land, but we also understand in promised land, there's giants. Turn to somebody and say, there's giants. There's giants. In the promised land, there's giants. In the promised land, there are gigantic walls to overcome. In the promised land, there are enemies. Some of them are entire armies. There's times of famine. There's times of plenty. There's times of God provision. There's times and opportunities to trust God. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. Amen. So, I came across a phrase. We suffer, we learn, we change. Just say that with me. Ready? One, two, three. We suffer, we learn, we change. And let's, I believe in being very practical. I, 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 I am a person of faith. I'm a person of the word. But I understand that there is a life here on this planet that we need to apply the word to, that we need to have faith to navigate through. And I want you to remember this about faith. I, 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 I'm, I'm not fully convinced that many of us or most of us are grasping the importance of faith. Okay, and it's a subject that the Lord's been dealing with me uh, again about to get back in and go even more in depth. But this is what I want you to grasp, okay? Because we're gonna, we're gonna, this series is really talking about how do I navigate out of Egypt and into my promised land? How do I, in that promised land, defeat the giants, def knock the walls down, defeat the enemies? How do I trust God for provision? 
How do I trust God in the tough times? Because that's what life is all about. Let's just be honest with each other. Amen? So, we must understand, and I'm, I'm going to take a little bit, of, I'm going to depart just for a few minutes here, because if, if, you're, if, if I don't get this in you, I'm going to be wasting my time with the rest of these notes. Now, you need to understand this. Life on planet Earth looked extremely different when God first created the Garden of Eden than it looks like now. How many of you know that? But you see, this is all we know. And I, and I would venture to say, in a very real, with all confidence, if we got a glimpse of what this planet really looked like when God first created it, before sin came in, before the curse came upon the earth, we would be like, where is Adam? Because I'm going to kick his I don't think, you know, and I think it's the mercy of God that he doesn't go into a lot of detail. We don't, we only have certain facts about what the garden looked like. Not to want to like wave something in front of us that we can't enjoy yet. But if you understand the nature and the character of God, and I'm going to be talking about that this weekend. I'm, this weekend, I'm going to be teaching about abundance. Amen. It's a good thing. Amen. It's funny how people want abundance for themselves, but nobody wants to talk about it. Okay. But when you understand the nature of God, that he is a God of abundance, you can't possibly imagine that he created the garden to be this chintzy little six-by-six six plot of ground with a couple of tomato plants in it. I think, I'm not 100% sure, but the Bible hints at that if you, if you pay attention to what the Bible talks about and describes heaven, and we even know from some people that have had the blessing in life to have been shown heaven and come back, have visited heaven and come back, I have a suspicion, knowing the character of my father in heaven, that the descriptions that we have of heaven is probably really close to what the garden looked like. Now, you understand that the time's going to come where heaven comes to meet earth, okay? And, and, and I don't want to get too much into that because I can really run with that and then forget about all my notes here. But here's what I want to say. I said all that because I want you to picture this. Imagine that you had been in this garden that is so lush, so beautiful, colors that don't even exist on the earth anymore, uh, uh, just perfume and crystal clear water and beautiful rivers and all kinds of fruit and flowers and, and animals are actually kind to each other and complement the environment. And then all of a sudden something happens and everything is wiped out away from you. Everything is taken. The entire rug is just pulled out from underneath you. And now you've got to live in that new atmosphere and your descendants and their descendants and their descendants are going to have to live now in this completely inferior system. We'd be mad at God. We'd be really mad at Adam and Eve. But God did not leave us. Just like when Jesus left the earth, he said, I'm not going to leave you like orphans. I'm going to give you an edge. I'm going to deposit within you my spirit who is going to help you to overcome while you're still stuck on this cursed planet. Amen. Now, that's not the first time that God did something like that. You see, when God originally created the garden, everything was perfect for Adam. And when you're in an atmosphere where everything is perfect, guess what? You don't need faith. Why? Because there's nothing to believe for. But that changed in an instant when sin was allowed to come into this system of the world. And sin began to establish its own system completely contrary to the system of God. And now you're a man, a woman on this planet now that doesn't want to produce anymore like it used to. Weather that's not cooperating like it used to. Animals are all of a sudden, they don't even know why they themselves are agitated and want to eat you. <laughs> and now you're stuck in this. And this is the way it's going to be until the Redeemer comes. Right. And what kind of God would leave us 
in that kind of an atmosphere, not our God. Now watch. So what is God, and I am convinced of this, God then introduces the force of faith. You listening? He introduces the force of faith. And we know that Cain and Abel knew about this force of faith because they knew that by faith, they needed to come and offer a sacrifice to God. They needed to bring something that represented, I trust you. I am devoted to you. I love you. I am grateful for all that you provided me with. And, and that's, that takes faith. Okay, and that extends down to tonight. When Pastor Beth was explaining about our finances, it takes faith for you to reach into your pocketbook, reach into your wallet, go on your phone, get your credit, whatever, however method you use, that takes faith. And so listen to me. It, it's not the money that honors God. It's the faith that you operated in by taking that money and saying, God, this is yours. Okay, I'm not bringing you tomatoes. I'm not bringing you peppers. I'm not bringing you corn, which is what they would have brought him in an agricultural society. But watch this. That still took faith. Why? Because I'm bringing you the corn that I need to eat. I'm bringing you the tomatoes that I need to I'm bringing you the fruit. I'm bringing, you, I'm bringing this stuff to you. I'm bringing to you my first of the flocks. I'm bringing what I need to survive to you, trusting that you're going to honor my faith and I'm going to receive back not only in return for what I, have de- what I have deposited at your feet, but you now are going to give me a percentage over and above that so that now I have the edge over my lack. Amen. Are you catching this? That is a main component of how to succeed in a promised land. And again, let me remind you, the promised land is not symbolic of heaven. Because in heaven, there are no giants, there are no walls, there are no enemies. Yes or no? Where do we have them? Here. So the principles of the word of God are for us to operate in the promised land here. What's your promised land? From the moment that you got born again to the minute that you say goodbye and step into eternity, that's your promised land. You catching this? You and I need faith to operate in the promised land. You must understand this. I said everything I said to get to this point. Faith is given unto us to counter a world system that is under a curse. The system of this world, the economies of this world, the the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, the, the way the ground operates is not there for you to succeed. Sin has cursed it. And it does not function the way it originally was. So if you don't have faith, you're going to have to suffer under the conditions of a world that is still under a curse. Are you catching this? But if you allow faith to develop, and I say develop, because faith does not originate with us. Faith originates with God. Romans, I believe it's chapter 10, tells us that we've been given a measure of faith. Am I right, chapter 10? Okay, we've been, each one of us has been given the measure of faith. I, I, I think it's the measure that we need to get born again. Amen. From that point forward, then, it's up to you to develop that faith. Now, I'm about three months ahead of myself here. <laughs> but you see, if you don't feed that faith, then you stay at the level of just being born again. Yes. Now, now, just being born again is better than going to hell. Because extending faith to be born again means you're guaranteed when you step into eternity, when you leave this body, you, according to Paul, are immediately in the presence of the Lord. But what are you going to do from now till then? You catching this? What are you going to do from now till then? And you see, through the book of Exodus, what you're going to see is a series of events where there's sometimes the people operate in faith, and then the next day, bam. They're right back into doubt and unbelief, and they're right back to not trusting God again. Sound familiar? So we're going to walk through that. We're going to study. But listen to me. Grab a hold of this, because everything I'm going to teach is useless if you don't grab a hold of what I'm saying to you. You are able to operate in faith because God has deposited it in you. 
He has deposited faith in you. It is up to you to develop that faith. Why? If you don't, you are going to be subject to the system of this world rather than have dominion over the system of this world. So don't complain when the system is against you. When the system comes against you, it's operating the way it's supposed to. Chew on that one for a little bit. But you have within you a double-barrel shotgun. You've got faith, and you've got the Holy Ghost. You pair pair the faith that comes from the Word of God that you feed on, and you're chewing it, and you're absorbing it, and you're feeding it, and you're exercising it. You put that with the power of the Holy Ghost, no system of this world is ever going to function against you. You will overcome it every single time. Are you catching this? Because I feel like I'm talking to myself tonight. I'm going to be real honest with you. And I don't like when words bounce back at me. They're not supposed to. They're supposed to go in you, but you have to receive it. I can't receive it for you. Only you can receive it. I can distribute it, but you have to receive it. So don't be hard ground tonight. Are you getting this? Turn to somebody and say, I will will never never be hard ground ground when it comes to the word. word. My heart's open. open. I'm here to receive receive. the word of God. Is being deposited in my heart. It will. It will. It will. Bear fruit. Amen. You got it? All right. So, let's get to some realities of life. Now, just because I say the reality is life, I am not saying they are going to overcome us, but they need to be addressed. We can't be Christians that walk around with their mouth open catching flies. You understand what I mean by that? You understand what they're doing? <laughs> Fantasy world. Super spiritual Christians that only want to please themselves and be impressed with themselves. We are living on a planet that is still under curse. Now, you and I have been redeemed from the curse of the law, but the world, this planet... And our bodies have not yet been redeemed from the curse of the fall. It is only through the blood of Jesus Christ that we overcome that. Are you catching this? So we're living on a cursed planet. And when you live on a cursed planet, you get caught in the crossfire sometimes. There is a battle that's going on. There is an enemy that hates you. There's an enemy that hates your marriage. There's an enemy that hates your family. There's an enemy that hates your health. There's an enemy that that despises you to have any kind of wealth. You have an enemy that wants you to just languish in poverty and misery. That's what he wants to see. How do we know that? Because that's what he tricked Adam and Eve to bring into into their world. You got an enemy. It's not a person. It's not your wife, it's not your husband, it's not your mother-in-law. It's not your next-door neighbor, it's not your boss. You have an enemy that hates you, despises mankind, because we have something that he can never experience. We have redemption. We have salvation. And no devil can ever experience that. So, let's come to this realization. Again, because I say it's a reality does not mean that it's a, it's a, it's a sentence. Okay? We are going to suffer some things. How many of you found that out already in life? The rest of you are like, eh. You're going to suffer some things. Some of them are self-induced. How many of you suffered from stupid things that you did? Oh, we got a lot more hands that time. How many of you have suffered over stupid decisions you made? And unfortunately, sometimes we're going to suffer at the hands of others. And we become, we become victims of other people's conduct, decisions, habits, their hurts, their wounds. However, 
Only we can determine whether that suffering is going to produce good fruit or if it's going to produce the fruit of bitterness. And I don't care who you are in this room. I don't care who you are listening to this. Every one of us, at some point in life, are going to have to face the fact that we may have allowed some bitterness to rise up in our hearts. And we got to get rid of it. It's extremely contagious. It's infectious. It's insidious. You don't even realize that you're entertaining the bitterness sometimes for years. We can learn from that suffering or we can just let it eat away at us. If we learn, we can change. Now, let's go through that statement again. We suffer, say it with me. We suffer, suffer. we learn, we we change. The only thing that's automatic in that phrase is suffer. Because you don't have any control over that. I don't know that anybody wakes up in the morning, if you do, you got to set up some counseling, wakes up in the morning and goes, I, w- I really do hope that I suffer today. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to prompt some type of suffering today. Because, you know, my day's not going to be, it's just not going to be, it's not going to be fulfilling if I don't suffer. With Let me go stub my toe. Bam. Let me go provoke my crazy next-door neighbor. Let me go pick a fight with my wife, with my husband, with my whatever. If you do that, you need help. And how many would agree that most of the time, suffering comes out of left field, and we don't see it coming? But now watch. You you and I, I can't say, well, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke all suffering. I will never suffer again. We don't, we don't have any kind of promise like that, at least that I know. Now, we can overcome it. Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have challenges. Storms are going to come. Let's just be real about it. Storms are going to come. So the idea is to get ready before they come. I was listening to a comedian. I'm not going to go too far with this. And he said, I, I, I don't understand something. He said, why is it that, and this is pretty appropriate for what happened just last week, why is it that we'll have two, three weeks warning that, that a hurricane's coming and people still act like, they, they didn't, like, like it just came out of left field? <laughs> he goes, now, a tornado, I can see, you, know, you maybe have 15, 20 minutes, sometimes just a few minutes, but you have a short warning. A hurricane, you got weeks to prepare. And how many, how many of you realize very few people prepare? You see them evacuating while, while the, the storm is right in sight. <laughs> we do this all the time. Now, common sense. If you live in the tropics, you shouldn't be running out for plywood 15 minutes before the hurricane's going to hit. It's not, it's, it's, this isn't the first time it's happening. Okay? Now, up here's a different story. Remember six years ago, whenever it was, seven years ago, I guess... It'll be seven years next month when, when Sandy graced us with her presence. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, we got a visit from the uh, FEMA director that was in this area. He was going around visiting all the churches, visiting all the pastors, and telling us, you better, you, better, you better amp up your counseling. You're going to have a lot of people to counsel. You better, you better. Now, this was just a couple weeks after the storm. He said, because you guys up here are not used to this. He's, and he said this to me. He said, uh, what was the big storm that hit New Orleans? Uh, Katrina. Katrina. He said, we still have offices in New Orleans from Katrina. And that was 2003, wasn't it? 2000 and, that was early 2000s. He said, there's still, he said, and we're used to that down there. You guys are not used to that up here. So it's not a big surprise if we're not prepared. But listen to me. Did you just wake up this morning for the first time? Who was just born within the last six hours? <laughs> How many of you have been living life for a little bit of a while? A little while. Come on. Oh, the rest of call the Call the mortician because we've got a whole bunch of dead people here. How many of you have been alive for more than six hours? Then no storm should surprise you. They're coming. Some of you are in the middle of it. Some of you, the only reason why you came out tonight is because you're in the middle of it. 
So we need to get ready. So that, watch this now. So that we're not just suffering, but that suffering is going to produce what? Learning. Now, now watch this now. Suffer, learn, change. Yeah, Pastor, yeah, Jim, yeah. Suffer, learn, change. Really? Because I see a whole lot of people that are suffering and having the opportunity to learn, but never do. And so what they do is just keep making U-turns and go right back around to the suffering again. You know anybody? And we sit back and go, dear God, what is it going to take? What's it going to take? Now, I don't know about you. Me and Gary are the opinion that if we're going to suffer, I want to learn something from it. Yes or no? We want to learn. I want to learn. How, how many of you want to learn? Amen. I want to, for what purpose? So that I could change. Because if I change, I got a good chance of not making that U-turn again and coming right back. Now, now I may, I may, the suffering may come in a different form. Okay? And so then I have the other opportunity the next time to come around and go, okay, I'm going to learn. Now, now watch this now. Ideally, I should be learning something different than the last time. Now, when I'm in the learning process, I have to watch my attitude. Why? Because my attitude is going to determine whether I change or whether I'm just going to do like the Israelites did and spend 40 years just circling the wilderness like, oh, I, thought, I thought this was where we were supposed to turn. <laughs> Are you catching this? Look, this is life. I want to learn. The Apostle Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 4, somewhere in that area. We have these examples. He's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about everybody in the Old Testament, the Israelites, so that we wouldn't make this, I'm paraphrasing, so that we wouldn't make the same mistakes that they made. And what was the biggest mistake of the Israelites? They did not trust God. God. So if you're going to learn anything from your suffering, the very first thing that you should learn is to trust God. But pastor, I don't see how it's possibly going to get resolved. That's not up to you. That's his job. Your job is to trust. His job is to bring it to pass. Turn to somebody and say, would you just trust? Just trust. Well, I don't know if I can. It's a decision. You release faith when you decide to trust. Well, I don't know how he's going to do it. It's none of your business how he's going to do it. In fact, I would rather he do it in a way that he's never done it before. So then I go, man, you really pulled it out this time. I did not see this one coming at all. And I know God loves to do that because any good father loves to surprise their kids. You listening? Yes. We're going to suffer. There's going to be some things. It's up to us to learn God's principles so that we can build a foundation of stability upon the word. Upon the word. Listen to me. Please. Please, I'm begging you. Become a student of the word. Amen. Because the more word that you know, the more promises you're going to be able to see come to pass. You cannot possibly trust God for something that you don't even know if he's made a promise to you or not. But when you read the Bible, you start accumulating knowledge. Now, accumulating knowledge is the beginning of it. It's not the whole, it's not, it doesn't stop there. My wife and I have been married now 42 years. There's very little that I'm going to do that's going to surprise her. There's very little she's going to do that's going to surprise me. Why? Because when you spend this much time together, you get to know each other. You get to know the flavor of their personalities. Okay? Now, early on, watch this now. The first seven years of our marriage, I kept her on her toes. 
It was one surprise after another. Would you agree that I was unpredictable? But now watch this now. After all these years, and honestly, I don't know where these years, it seems like maybe just like 50 years ago. It, honestly, it, 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 you, it, it, the years just go by so quick. And those of you that are close to our season of life, you know what I'm talking about. It's just like, what? How did this happen? Where, where, how did it slip away this fast? But the benefit of that is this. When you, get, when you spend that kind of time with someone, you get to know them. Now, you and I can't go to heaven yet. When we're there in eternity, we're going to get to know him better. Right now, we know him enough to get us there. But the idea here on earth is to get to know him more now so that our li- watch this, watch this, so that our life here on earth has at least some resemblance to what it's going to be like in heaven. Are you catching this? How are you going to do that? You can't go there and say, well, listen, I want to hang out for about 10,000 years so we get to know each other. No, no. See, we don't get in unless we know him at least enough as Savior, as Redeemer, as, 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 as our, the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Okay? Romans chapter 10 is very clear. We are, how do we attain salvation? We don't earn it. We can't buy it. But how do we receive it? We receive it by confessing with our mouth. In other words, confessing means saying the same. Confessing with our mouth what we believe in our But if there's, no, if there's nothing there in your heart to believe. Well, I, well Pastor, I, I, I believe I'm going to go to heaven. Why? Well, because you know I've been a good person. Oh, honey, you're going to hell. Because <laughs> the Bible doesn't say that you get to heaven because you're a good person. Amen. The Bible says you get to heaven because you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Wrong answer. <laughs> and there's some, and I hope to God there's nobody in this room tonight that is, has, you have placed all your money on that bet. You're not going to get in. And, I, and this might rub you the wrong way, but I love you too much to let you walk out of this room tonight with a false peace based on your opinion, not based on the fact of the word of God. So in order for you to have received salvation, man, this is good. I'm going to listen to this when it comes out. (laughs) Hey, because you see my notes, there's none of this what I'm talking about. I feel like I wasted my time putting that together. I guess that's for next week. But listen to me. No, I'm telling you, I sense a tug from the Holy Spirit to spend some time on this. Because today, today, too many people think in this general spirituality terms. Oh, there's such a spiritual person. Yeah, well, what spirit? What spirit? There's a lot of spirits. Everything that's supernatural is not from God. Everything that's spiritual is not from God. Open your eyes. So the Bible tells us that there are certain evidences that you need in order to formulate a belief so that you can make a decision that what the Bible says about Jesus is absolutely true. And then when you speak with your mouth in direct connection to what the Bible said, that's when salvation comes. When we confess, confess to say the same as. To say the same as what? Your opinion? To say the same as what Oprah says? To say the same as what whoever's on TV, some spiritual guru what they say, or to say the same as what the Bible says. You receive salvation when your heart is convinced that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he genuinely came to this earth to die on a cross to pay for our sins, and that genuinely, not a fable, not a myth, that three days later he walked out of that tomb alive forevermore. If you, in your heart, believe that, then your next step is to confess, to say the same as what your heart believes, which is based on Scripture. Are you catching this? Somebody needs to hear this clear tonight. 
You know, I, I don't, I don't want to speak of this in the terms of fear, but none of us are guaranteed tomorrow morning. You, you and I cannot afford to have our eternal destination based on somebody's opinion or your opinion or some tradition or some, well, you know, when I was growing up, this is what they taught me. Well, who cares about that? Does that line up with the Bible? I grew up in a lot of religious tradition. Could have told you every saint what they mean for. Did you lose something? I'll tell you where to go. What saint? <laughs> want to get pregnant? Tell you what saint. You want to sell the house? Poor St. Joseph is going upside down. I was the devout one in my family. And that's what freaked everybody out when I got born again. You listening to me? But you see, none of those traditions, I could tell you what food you're supposed to make for what saint's day. But none of those traditions could ever get us into heaven. None of it matters. None of it. It's nothing but a bunch of religiosity and a bunch of superstition. And I'm sorry if that hurt somebody's feelings, but I'd rather have your feelings hurt and you go to heaven than for you to come here and leave, oh, I feel so good, and go to hell. Can I get an amen? amen? So listen, you need faith. And faith comes by hearing the word. And listen, and faith stays by hearing the word. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So for us to, oh, God, would you just bless me? Would you just bless me? Oh, I hope he does. I don't know. I don't think he's going. Why would he bless you if you can at least please him in this one little thing? I trust you. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I trust you. Let me tell you something. That's childlike faith that Jesus spoke about. And you know, we're in a time right now, national, on a national level, that our economy here in this country is probably the best it's been in a long, long, long time. But that doesn't mean that there's still not people among us, and you might be one of them, that may still be suffering from lack. And unfortunately, what happens is this in the church world, not just New Beginnings, I'm talking about the church world universal. When things are good, People stop talking about faith. So when things are bad, because they weren't talking about it when things were good, when things are bad, they're not prepared. Look, I've only got a few minutes left, so I want to spend it talking about something that really means something. No matter how great our economy can get, no matter if the greatest outpouring of wealth hit the entire world, the world is not getting better. It's getting worse. We've seen in just recent, recent times, past month or two, some of the wealthiest individuals in the world, the most corrupt, the most degenerate, the most filthy, the most murderous and just degenerate. So wealth is not going to help our society. The, the mindset of the rest of the world. The spirit of Antichrist is here. It has been all along. It has never been as obvious as it is now. But John wrote about it in his epistles. He said, the spirit of Antichrist is already here. That was 2,000 years ago. What does it mean? It is a spirit. It is a mindset. It is an entity that provokes people to be contrary to the principles of God. Amen. That is your definition of the Antichrist. Now, the in, an individual called the Antichrist will someday, probably very soon, and probably is already alive, one of these days is going to manifest. What does that mean? He's going to reveal himself for who he is. Man, I'm really, really all over the place tonight. <laughs> now, none of us can say, and I don't care who you are, and I don't care how much you study the Bible, none of us can say that we know 100% how this thing is going to work out. That's true. 
We don't. Just like they didn't when Jesus came the first time. There were some who thought they knew. There were some that were convinced, nah, it ain't going to be this year. And all of a sudden, the baby's crying in the wilderness. Shepherds are coming out of the hills. Kings travel two years to get there to see him. They didn't expect him. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And here we are, the church, and we're full of the Holy Ghost, and we've got scriptures in 26 different translations. We still don't have enough information to know 100% how this thing's going to pan out. There are some of us who believe that the church is going to be removed off the earth before any of this stuff goes bad. There are some of us that believe that maybe halfway through this time period of transition between one age to another age that the church will be removed. There are some people that believe now the church is going to be here until the very end of the most horrible outpouring of disgusting filth and evil and murder and everything else that's going to come upon this planet. But one thing is for sure, it's coming. It's coming. Now, hopefully, we're going to get taken out of this place before any of that happens. I said, hopefully. Okay? At least, if it's halfway through before the real stuff hits the fan, that won't be so bad. But let me ask you this question. For those of you that are not sure what you believe about Jesus, for those of you who are like, ah, I don't have to say a prayer, I don't, have to, I don't have to do any of that stuff, God knows my heart, I'm a good person. What if you're wrong? Because, you know, we live in a world now and we saw what happened 18 years ago. The world was never the same. Once 9.30 in the morning hit 18 years ago. And it's never going back to being the same. It can never be the same. And we're living in a world within a 24-hour period where everything can go from light to darkness like that. And I'm not here tonight trying to scare you. What I'm saying to you is this. If God forbid... We even, the church is still on the earth to endure some of the evil that's going to hit. You're going to need to know how to operate in faith. You're going to need to know how to trust God. From now until then, you're going to need to trust God and to have faith to influence your loved ones who are opposed to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to need to know the voice of God. You're going to need to know the scriptures. It seems like the more information we have available to us, the more questions we have. Because you have to go find it for yourself. I can point you towards it, but I can't make it become revelation to you. I can only point it to you. You have to make the decision to trust God. But I will tell you this much, the more you know about him, the more you realize you can trust him. How are you going to get to know him? Through the word. He has left us this word. He has kept it intact so that you and I would get to know him before we get to heaven. You listening? Stand up. Did you get anything tonight? You coming back next week? Yes. Lift one hand up to the Lord right now. And say this with me. Father, Father I, believe I believe that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is, the Son of God. is the Son of God. I believe with all my heart, all my heart that, he that He is the Lamb of God that came to this earth, to, this earth to be sacrificed, sacrificed for, my for my sin. I thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus for dying in my place for shedding your blood, shedding your blood 
so that I could be cleansed, so that I could be made righteous, so that I could be born again. So I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord, my Savior. I believe that you're risen from the dead. I believe that you're alive right now and you're hearing my prayer. And so I thank you that this night I am born again. I am a child of God. If I were to take my last breath, I will immediately be in your presence for all of eternity. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now listen. Praise God. We're celebrating. But listen, don't, 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 nobody moving yet. If you said that prayer tonight for the first time, or if you said that prayer tonight with the intention of your heart to recommit and rededicate your life to Jesus, I do not want you leaving this room. I want you to be able to acknowledge that. You need to show the, the Lord and you need to show the devil you mean business. If you said that prayer for the first time tonight or if you said that prayer as an act of rededication, I want you to come up to the front. There's going to be people up here. You tell them, I prayed that prayer tonight. We want to put a Bible in your hands. We want to give you the materials you need to make sure that this journey from this point forward is successful. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Listen, if you need prayer for anything else, come up here and we'll pray for you. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.